You're here, which means that you've found spirit crumbs, leading you to your inner light worker. I will be sharing how these tiny little hints from the universe have led me to where I am today. I hope that by hearing my story and the stories of others, you'll pick up your own spirit crumbs along the way that will lead you to somewhere magical. Thanks for coming along for the journey. Let's see where it takes us. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spirit Crumbs. I am your host, Andrea McCallum, and I am an artist and a healing energy facilitator. Today, we are talking about book three of The War of Art, and it is called Beyond Resistance, The Higher Realm. This one really resonated with me because he starts to finally talk about invisible psychic forces and the different ways that we can receive and I think channel this creativity that moves through us. It may be a longer episode because it's actually a longer chapter, but I feel like this is really where I started to feel like I could understand why it was coming up for me right now. A quote that I wrote down for describing this energy is, as resistance works to keep us from becoming who we were born to be, equal and opposite powers are counterpoised against it. These are our allies and angels. This section is actually called Angels in the Abstract, and I thought that was pretty cool, even though he's very like practical in a lot of the other parts in the book. This part is where I was like, I would not have pictured this coming from him. But he talks about going back to approaching the mystery that we talked about of like where this comes from and reminding us that it is important to sit and try. And that word try keeps coming up to me because I think there's a part of me that, this is just coming to me now, but I think there's a part of us that hears the Yoda phrase, do or do not, there is no try. And so we think we have to be able to fully do the thing to its full extent before we can do it. It goes back to that, right? But the whole point is, if you sit and try over and over again, eventually you're going to get it. Eventually you're going to improve. Eventually the inspiration will come. It just gets us defeated before we start if we think we have to have it figured out before we start. It doesn't make sense. How can you get better at something that you've never tried? So what he says about this is that heaven comes to our aid. And the next little phrase, serendipity reinforces our purpose. I love. Obviously, that's spirit crumbs, right? That's when like your friend says they want to collaborate with you. Somebody gives you some used materials. Someone offers you a spot in their studio to do a session with their clients. All of these things come together when we keep showing up, when we keep putting it out there, what we're doing in whatever context that is. Like I said, I talk about art and I talk about healing because those are the things that I do, but this could be anything. This could be you doing a podcast, running a marathon. You have a business or a product you want to create, whatever this means to you. But he basically says that the more we do this, there's a power that concentrates around us and magnetizes ideas. And I think that's just absolutely magical and exactly kind of how Elizabeth Gilbert talks about ideas coming to us. And if we don't do anything with them, they move to the next person and there's no harsh feelings. It just means it's not the right time. But if we're not sitting down and we're not open to it, they're not going to stop at us. They're going to just keep moving continuously. And then we'll wonder why we're not being inspired. Like me, never actually sitting down with my materials and then being like, why am I not getting ideas? 
the other part to this is art as service. Why are we here on the planet? And that's what I almost got choked up literally just not saying that because there is this part of us that forgets that the purpose of creating your art does not have to be that it's functional. And I think because I'm an earth sign needing to make things material and tangible and useful, I think useful is a really difficult term for me to get past because I am very practical. And so even though I could just make art that comes from my heart that would resonate with people, I'm always thinking like, okay, but like, what are they going to do with this? Or like, should I make prints that also function as something else? Right. And I think we have to keep in mind that like our service to the planet is showing up as ourselves, is making the art that is the service. There doesn't need to be all these other layers to it, or it doesn't need to necessarily respond to what other people are doing either. Invoking the muse is the next section. And he prays to a muse before starting his work each day. It's part of his ritual. He has a specific passage that he reads, which I'm not going to read. And I did read it, but it doesn't resonate with me. It's a translation of a prayer from Homer's Odyssey. And that is what he reads every time. And so this was a thing to me to remember that we can make it a ritual. I like sitting down and pulling my cards, journaling, and that ritual. So I just have to figure out what that is for me in terms of creating art. Maybe it is setting up all of my stuff and having all of my materials set out how I would use them and sitting with that energy with the sketchbook and then making sure I put it all away again. Maybe that's going to be my process, right? Whatever it is that resonates with you. I don't think we often consider merging our spiritual and other creative ventures as often as we could. I did do a final project that was creating prints from Reiki sessions. And so I have done it in that way of like the actual form that I'm doing. I did a whole paper on process and practice. And you talk about having a spiritual practice and an art practice. So there's a lot of crossover in how I do work. And I do give myself a bit of leeway with the waiting for inspiration because my best work usually comes when I do allow my brain to kind of process things before I do it. When I rush things, it doesn't turn out well, but I have to find that in between. The second part, invoking the muse part two, he talks about how in Greek texts, there's a personification of inspiration and how there's like the literal like seven muses or however many there are. What that shows us is that in many, many cultures for centuries and centuries and centuries, we have always believed that the universe is not indifferent to what we're doing. The universe genuinely wants us to create these things. These muses are from the gods, from the universe. And that is enough, right? It's enough that that force is wanting us to create something. He brings up a really fascinating quote by William Blake that is the next section. And it's, eternity is in love with the creations of time. And in this context, he's saying that like, eternity is the universe and source that creative energy and that is not limited by time that is 
completely outside of space and time, the way that we humans understand it. Whereas humans, we are very time-based. We're very limited in our perspective. So this phrase, this quote, eternity is in love with the creations of time, means that the universe is in love with the creations of humans. They genuinely want and take joy in what we bring into physical existence because they are more abstract. They're not limited to physical, human, earthly creation, but we are the only ones who are able to create in this way. Humans are the only way that these inspirations and ideas get to take form. And there is a certain magic to that. If you think about it, a piece of art that you make can only be made by you. And I know we hear this in a general thing where it's like, only you can put your gifts into the world. And I think we hear it so much that we don't really have a tangible understanding of it. Whereas this really brought it into existence for me to realize why would we get an inspiration? Why would we have creativity as humans? Why would we be able to make art? Why would we care about having art in our houses if it didn't bring joy to us? And then by extension, like we are given it by the divine. So obviously the, it's the divine's intention that we create. That made me realize that it does matter. It does matter. We have to get away from this idea that things have to be productive or useful in order to be worthwhile. I know in this lifetime, that's a huge thing for me because my North Node's in Pisces and I'm a Capricorn who's an artist. So that's kind of a challenging thing for me sometimes. But I think that that was such a powerful realization. And I hope that you also are feeling inspired by that. And that can mean stuff that no one else sees. That's what came to mind to me, literally, as I said that about you creating. So I don't know who's listening to this that needs to hear that, but it includes you. Like you get to create for you. So even if you're creating things that no one is ever going to see, when I was seeing like people have art and things around their houses, it can mean even if your version of creation and your outlet for making art is just making it for yourself to make your home be a space that you feel inspired in to do other work, that's fine too. Another quote that I wrote down was, the work existed only as potential. Without a body, so to speak, it wasn't music yet. You couldn't play it. You couldn't hear it. It needed someone. And that's in reference to, I think he was talking about a quote about Bach or Beethoven. I'm not going to open the book, but it was about how we have these works that exist that are so incredible, but they wouldn't have ever been made without a person physically taking the time and the inspiration and the creation into reality. The next thing to cover is the magic of making a start. And this is the thing that I told you I have the hardest time with is just committing and starting something. And what he says is, a quote here from W.H. Murray, when you commit, all sorts of things occur to help. And so this comes back to like doing the thing, receiving a download, and that whole idea that the universe wants to help us, but we have to start doing it and decide that we're going to do it before it can come through. There's another quote I wrote here, which he's quoting an author that I cannot remember at the moment, but 
It is whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, magic, and power in it. Begin it now. I think that's a really strong point as well, that if you can dream it, you can do it, that whole idea. And angels are agents of evolution is the next quote that I wrote. This really resonated with me because I think that evolution in our own personal sense, but also evolution as a society, like the more we do this work, the more it benefits everyone, the more we show up as ourselves and whatever we are meant to do in this lifetime. And that really made me feel inspired. And then also brought me into the next section, which is the magic of keeping going. And this is the momentum and longevity part that I think many people don't get to because it can be difficult to make it worthwhile to keep going. When he shows up and does this routine every day where he has a certain time where he just writes, whether it's good or not, he just does it. He talks about how often it's when he finishes and goes for a walk that he gets all the inspiration. And then that takes him into the next day. Having their visions is inspired because knowing what to take away what to change, what to improve, also has a certain amount of like divinity to it, of knowing what the work is meant to be. So I think that is something to consider as well. And I'll give you the example for myself because I hate talking about this and not having examples, but when I am meditating, when I'm actively in a meditation, I don't often receive as many profound downloads and insights, I actually get them more when I'm moving around afterwards. Like if I get up and start making coffee or something, that's usually when I'll get those insights is when I'm away from it. But I need that time to sit and be still in order for the energy to like come into my field. Like I see it as my energy field is receiving energy. Like I feel things in the meditation and sometimes I do receive stuff. It's not that I don't ever, but I have that happen. And then when I start moving my body and like not thinking about it, it processes through my system and I see it like moving around and it's like, okay, this is going to come as a thought or this is going to come as a vision. This is going to come as a memory. And like, that's where my body is like processing it. Like, I think we download all the information. It chooses the, the ways that it's going to come through. And for me, moving my body is just how I process the information more often than not. And it's not that I can't receive things in meditation. It's just that I guess my guides and the sources that I receive things from just know that that's the best way to get to me if they want me to have an idea. The best way is either when I'm going in the shower or when I'm walking around my apartment aimlessly. So just something to keep in mind that you may just need to do the practice of showing up in order to allow that to kind of come around you. He did talk about how like when you sit down, the forces gather around you. And I'm starting to realize more and more how true that is. Like even with my podcast, I commit to doing an episode every week. And sometimes I have no idea what the hell I'm going to do from one week to the next. But sure enough, because I know I'm going to do it and I set aside the time. And if it gets to be Monday and I sit down, guaranteed something will come through, a download, a thought, a whole page something will come through when it gets to be that time where I'm 
asking spirit, like, okay, I haven't come up with anything so far. What are we going to talk about? And that is because I, it's a practice and it's a commitment that I've made to show up every week. And then another part of this section is when he talks about how in a dream, he was seeing that there was an eagle soaring above him and that there was like a message he was meant to receive. When he came out of the dream, he had this realization that our visions are just as solid as the earth and the material plane. And that this unseen intelligence can make a point to us in a clear language that we'll understand. And it's funny, I didn't even remember I'd written that, even though what I just said is basically this. But it's like, if we're a human, then things are going to come through in a way that a human can understand. There is still some interpretation, but we do have ways of translating this energy the point that like the ego is like the devil on our shoulder it's resistance and then the self he says it's like our full soul our full being and that the ego is just a dot in it but the angels and like guides whoever you work with they're the angel on the shoulder that's like actively trying to get you to do what you want to do. He gives examples of like the dichotomy of these two where it's like the the ego believes that death is real and then the self realizes it's an illusion and that like we continue in another existence. Time and space are real to humans and the ego, but like it's an illusion and there's no limitations for the angels. I'm not going to go too much into detail with this, but he basically talks about how dreams and even when we're intoxicated, when we have these like clear thoughts and receiving ideas, these are all like different altered states of consciousness that help us find the self. Whereas like being very realistic in the day to day is kind of what separates us and connects us with the ego so there's this quote that i wrote down which is the ego hates artists because they are the pathfinders and bearers of the future because each one dares to move humanity forward the ego produces resistance and attacks the awakening artists and then it talks about fear which we've talked about a lot so i won't go into detail but It talks about how like we focus so much on the consequences of following our heart and how there's like a fear of what's going to happen if we do it. And so there's like bankruptcy, poverty, like throwing away what you've sacrificed for so far, being seen as selfish. All of these things are what we focus on. He says these are serious fears, but they're not the real fear not the master fear, the mother of all fears that's so close to us that even when we verbalize it, we don't believe it. Fear that we will succeed, that we can access the powers we secretly know we possess, that we can become the person we sense in our hearts we truly are. And that's really profound. I wrote down a lot in this section, but this quote is, We fear discovering that we are more than we think we are, more than our parents, children, teachers think we are. We fear that we actually possess the talent that our still small voice tells us, that we actually have the guts, 
the perseverance, the capacity. We fear that we truly can steer our own ship, plant our flag, reach our promised land. We fear this because if it's true, then we become estranged from all we know. We pass through a membrane. We become monsters and monstrous. We know that if we embrace our ideals, we must prove worthy of them. And that scares the hell out of us. What will become of us? We will lose our friends and family who will no longer recognize us. We will wind up alone in the cold void of starry space with nothing and no one to hold on to. Of course, this is exactly what happens. But here's the trick. We wind up in space, but not alone. Instead, we are tapped into an unquenchable, undepletable, inexhaustible source of wisdom, consciousness, companionship. Yeah, we lose friends, but we find friends too in places we never thought to look. And they're better friends, truer friends. And we're better and truer to them. Do you believe me? And this was an incredible passage to read. That's why I couldn't separate out just like a summary of it. And I think this goes back to what I was saying about how it can feel really lonely, but then if you keep following the steps and you keep showing up and you keep trusting, you get guided to people who just get it and align with what it is that matters to you. The next point he makes is about authenticity and the authentic self. He says that each child comes with a distinct personality and identity and that we're not blank slates when we're kids. We're not waiting for the world to stamp its imprint on us. Instead, we show up possessing a highly refined and individuated soul. We forget it when we're here, but following our creativity and our desires is how we find who we already are and then become it again. The main thing that I want to cover here that is the last part, which is really long and I don't want to go through the whole explanation, but he talks about the difference between territory and hierarchy. And he talks about how hierarchy is the default in our society. It's like this idea of security that we have where we just do everything based on how it's set up in life. Like you go to school, you get a job, you stay, all that sort of thing. And that there's like specific expectations of how the outcome is going to happen based on making those choices or following those steps. But the thing with this is that it only works in a small setting, right? Like it only works in like a classroom or a small company. But like when you get into a situation where you're in like a big city or just in general in the online space, the hierarchy doesn't work. Nobody really knows their place because it's just so big. Then you get overwhelmed and you start to feel like anonymous and like you don't matter. What he says is that for artists to define ourselves within a hierarchy is fatal. It's not something that we can achieve success by rank. Maybe people could consider fame or money, but there's no way to feel fulfilled within a system like that because there's no promotion, right? There's no hierarchy that makes sense. But when he talks about the territory part of it, territory is being able to make work for its sake. And that if you are looking to 
what the market is asking for, or if you're trying to work hierarchically within an arch of some sort, then you're doing it for others and you're doing it for status. You're not doing it for fulfillment. You're not going to be finding your own space within this giant territory, this giant world of online or publishing or art, whatever it is that you're working within. And when you have a territory, it's when you're serving the forces that are bringing you inspiration. So when you're just focused on what's coming through you, what's meant to come through you, that's finding your own territory. I think we also would say that this is like a niche, right? If you think of it in that term, if that's more familiar to you, it helped me when I realized that's basically what he was saying. But he says that when you're working within a territorial orientation in life, that it actually provides sustenance and it allows you to be like self-sustaining. You don't need that external input. You're just claiming it alone. You're claiming it by doing the work and the return that you get is what you put in. So as long as you're showing up, you're following through on the inspirations you get, you're creating what comes to you, then that's what you need to do. And then you feel fulfilled because you did it and it's yours and it's what you were meant to do. I think for me, that just makes so much sense because I've never really wanted to duplicate what other people are doing. But I also have been in different points in my life wondering how I'll know what the next step is or what I'm supposed to do next. But it makes sense to think that you just have to trust that what's coming through is meant for you and that you don't have to get to a certain level or a certain income bracket in order to feel like you're successful. The success is just doing it in the way that you're meant to do it. And that really actually was pretty comforting because it was something that I had never thought about really before in terms of carving out your own space and how that works in a long-term thing, right? Because sometimes it's easy to say, okay, this one project that I'm doing feels really niche, feels like me, but like, can I keep doing this? Am I still going to get more ideas? Am I going to be able to keep shifting with the growth that I have as a person? And then what was interesting was he actually included a distinction of how to tell the difference between how you're operating if you're not sure yet. And especially within a creative space, sometimes it's hard to tell because either way, you're not at a nine to five job. So it's like, well, if I'm doing my work, does that mean that I'm automatically in my territory? What he says to ask yourself is, for one, when you're feeling anxious about something or about something you're creating or just in general, do you call like six people for reassurance? Do you go to a lot of people? If you do, that's probably more hierarchical because you're considering that their external feedback is going to be more important. This isn't to say that you shouldn't reach out to people to discuss things that are coming up. It's just like if you rely on that as your goalpost or as your direction, that would be hierarchy. And then if you think, okay, you know what? I'm feeling a bit lost. I'm feeling anxious. Maybe I will just go pull out my materials. I'll take a look at my research and I'll just do some work for a bit and see what happens. That's territory. 
There can be crossover, obviously, because I don't think that you can ever be completely an island. But I think it's just saying to rely on the trust that the inspiration will come, those forces that are coming around you when you sit down with your materials more than looking for reassurance from other people about whether or not it's good or whether or not it's what you're supposed to do or what you should do. He says that if you would do the thing still, if you were the last person on earth, that's a pretty clear-cut sign that you're in a territory of doing what you are meant to do. If you're doing something that requires other people to like it in order to make it worthwhile doing, then that's not sustainable. And it also means that you're not really doing it for you. You're really just trying to reflect back to people what they want to see. And then the next point was just that the sustenance comes actually from the act of doing it, not from the impression it makes on others. And I feel like that's one part that I'm pretty good with is like, I don't make work based on what other people would like, because if that were the case, I would be making work all the time because I'm immersed in art. I see what people are doing. I see what people respond to and what they like, and I still don't want to make it. (laughs) I still would rather wait and do one of my weird things that I do when I'm feeling inspired. So that part really did resonate with me. And I think that the more we can tune into the things that do make us feel that way, like what are the things that make you feel like you? And that can be a really good way of finding what it is that can be your territory. So that is basically the book in a nutshell. You know, I say in a nutshell, but that was literally three episodes and they were (laughs) like 40 minutes at least each. So I wouldn't say that's a short thing, but faster than reading the whole book or the audiobook. But I think if we can all keep in mind that what we are asked to do is to trust that it matters. That's the main thing that I think is helping me break down the resistance. It does matter. Even When you do a cute little painting just for yourself or you doodle or you do a healing session just for yourself, you make cards for your family, those things matter. Anything that comes to you that inspires you, whether it's an Instagram post or a new product, those things matter. They come to you for a reason. And I think for me, it kind of takes away a layer of second guessing because sometimes I think of ideas and I'm like, okay, but what am I going to do with that? Or like, why would I spend my time on that when it's just going to be in a notebook or in a sketchbook? But those things all matter because whether we like it or not, we do need to practice. And there are going to be things that just exist for a moment and we forget about. It's not all going to be noteworthy. It's not all going to get responses from people. I've done tons and tons and tons of Card Pull Friday videos. I do it every week. That's another thing that I think is a good example of how I'm able to commit to the practice and trust that things will come. There are weeks when I get like maybe four people that actually watch my Card Pull Friday all the way through. There's weeks when there's a lot more people. Well, there's like 50 people or something that watch them. But the point is I do it anyways, because what happens is over time, I'm building a mental library of all these references and all of these thoughts and all of these insights that I'm receiving. And 
you'll hear me talk about them on this podcast where I'm like, oh yeah, on Cardpool Friday, this came up. And I wouldn't have that as a reference if I didn't show up every week and do it. Same with this podcast. I show up every week. I talk about what's important. And then what's really cool for me is I'll be listening to other people's podcasts, other people's forecasts, other people's thoughts. And a lot of times after I've recorded mine, I'll hear similar things coming from different people. Then I think, okay, we are all connected. And it reassures me that it is good that I'm doing what I'm doing and that maybe everybody in the world needs to hear this message, but they're not all going to hear it from me. Maybe there's thousands of us that are all saying the same thing, but each of us has different people that are finding us. I think, well, I don't think this is coming through me just for me to hear it because yeah, that's part of it. And if that's all that comes of some episodes, that's fine. I just know in my heart that there are people that are meant to hear these things. And so I think the same is true for each and every single one of you. I know it's true. No matter what it is that you want to do, that you want to put into the world, it matters. It matters so much. It matters to me. I get inspired. And I actually, in the last couple of days, have gone out of my way without realizing it was going to come up in my brain right now to tell people when I appreciate something that they create. Because I know what it's like, how I feel when someone tells me that it matters, what I said. And that's, I think, the future of this kind of like knowledge exchange that we have in the world that's really growing is that there's something inherently valuable about what each person has to say. And so when I see my friend sharing that she's going to a market to sell her work or to meet with other artists or whatever it might be, if I'm inspired by seeing her share that, I tell her, I say, you know what? I really am glad that you keep posting that because it makes me want to do events where I make art and show up to share it with people and meet new people. And if I didn't see you sharing that all the time, I probably wouldn't have it on my radar. And when I receive someone's newsletter and I'm like, that message resonates so much with me, then I'm starting to tell them and say, you know what? That really resonated with me. Thank you for sharing that in your newsletter because Otherwise, sometimes I think we all assume that everyone gets feedback from everyone else. And the truth is, they don't. And maybe we don't all need it. And that's fine. Like I know for myself, I don't necessarily need to hear it from people in order for me to know that I'm going to keep doing it. But it does help and it does inspire us. And I think we all can agree that it's a beautiful feeling when someone tells you that something that you created from your heart is appreciated. So just keeping that in mind, tell other people when they inspire you. If you have a friend who goes to the gym every week and it's something you've been wanting to do or it got you inspired to start working out, you can tell them. I just want you to know that it matters to me that you share your journey because it inspired me. And then I also want you to keep in mind that the next time you have something that you want to share and you think, oh, no one wants to see this, I want to see it. Other people want to see it. And maybe there's somebody else who's meant to do that thing too, and they won't have it on their radar unless you share what you're doing. So I just want you to know that everything that comes through your heart and comes through creatively in whatever way that comes out for you, it matters very much to me and to the universe and to all of the energies that can only become material things through you. So I'm going to leave it there. It's another long one, but I hope 
that you liked this episode and that you were happy to hear about this book. The book is very short. I probably could have summarized it a lot shorter, but there were just so many profound points that I wanted to dig into. So I hope this inspires you and I will see you next week. Hello. It's been probably a month now or longer since I recorded this episode. So I just wanted to come on with a bit of an update. The first thing is that it's been two years now today since I started my Concrete and Crystals Instagram. So to celebrate, I'm doing some mini readings either by email or an audio recording. They're 22 Canadian and you can sign up with the link here or in my bio. Obviously, today is Tuesday, so the Tuesday ones won't be available, but I have some for Thursday. And then also on Thursday is the remote recharge for Virgo season, the healing energy session. I've already been feeling a lot of the energy and I have already started the playlist because it started coming to me around the time that Emily and I recorded our cosmic energy forecast. So that is already underway. And I just wanted to thank all of you for being with me on this journey. I know a lot of you that listen are also following me on Instagram. And it's just always so beautiful for me to connect with you there and to get feedback on what I'm doing and support. I really love doing Card Pull Friday every week and getting to send some messages out. I really just want to let you know that it does mean a lot. Every single interaction, every message. If you are thinking of doing something and putting it out there, you know, there's things I've done that haven't really worked out that have been a flop, but at least I have been learning along the way. And there's so many things that have gone really well that those things don't even really matter anymore at this point. I also wanted to share, since this is obviously an episode about creating art, that I actually have been creating prints. And so those are going to be available in some way somewhat soon. I'm going to figure out a way to get those online. I want to create more for the holidays and for the fall. So keep an eye out for that. But sticking to what I've been talking about and moving through the resistance and creating some sort of a consistency is what's really been helping me. You'll see in the next couple episodes that I'll be talking more about this idea of consistency versus working when you're inspired. So look forward to that. And yeah, I'll be back next week with a new episode. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Spirit Crumbs. You can find me on Instagram for this podcast at Spirit Crumbs, or you can also find me at Concrete and Crystals for my own spiritual offerings and more tidbits about my own journey. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.